I am absolutely in love with seeing your hat with your branding on it. Like, my gosh. <laughs> How cool. Like, where do you even get something like that made? Oh, I just, so I just had an artist paint it. I was like, you know, I got this idea because actually uh, a friend bought me a hat that she had like a lipstick paint on. And I was like, oh, I could be, I could have, I literally wear hats every day. Like I could, it could be the conversation starter. So then um, I had an, a local artist that we love so much painted it. And then I had another artist paint another one and she painted another. So now I have three different SOS ones that I just wear every day if I can. <laughs> That is adorable. That is so cute. You, I think you are the queen of hats and headbands. Yep, exactly. I switched from headbands to hats, so now it's mostly hats, but who knows? I might go back. And what'd you say? A walking billboard. Exactly. You can't buy one, be one. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I, I want to start off with, uh, I want you to introduce yourself. Like, okay. Who? are you and what the heck are do you have going on and then we're just going to talk about all the things that I actually found some new stuff I actually probably want to hopefully we have time to talk about that I'm yeah some some recent news so but okay who the heck are you my friend yes. Joy? <laughs> so uh yes my name is Joy Hoover and I am really my favorite title is a human who gives a sh I don't know if I can cuss though can I okay Okay, perfect. So I'll say that again. Um, so yeah, my name is Joy Hoover, and my number one title is really just human who gives a sh**. I have been working in social impact most of my life, but specifically the last 14 years here in Vegas, working in women's safety, really working in the prevention and aftercare of gender-based violence and sex trafficking. And, you know, the truth is, is that this is a prevalent issue that especially as women we know about, we feel it. It's something that we think about all the time. And yet there's not a lot of innovative solutions to fight it. And so here we are in 2024, one in three women experience violence. And, you know, like the numbers are not decreasing. They're actually increasing by about 2.9% year over year. And that's not okay. So let's talk about how this all came to be for you, because mm -hmm. yet there is a multitude of violence um, that women are susceptible to at any particular time. But you have had you have a history of being involved in um, just not just uh, sexual violence or domestic violence, but um, issues, but also sex work and and all of that. Where does that come from? Where did that interest in 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 this piece of of work come from? Yeah, I mean, I think like I've always cared about women specifically. I mean, I'm one of four daughters, and I experienced um, some uh, some violence growing up, sexual violence, and. I didn't really like calculate it to that. Like we moved to Vegas really to to create safe spaces and to create actual resources and help. And I think that comes from kind of this internal belief that everyone's story matters and that we all deserve to have adequate support and resources. And so like the work that we stepped into, we didn't know a lot about it, but what we knew was there were there was a, a huge segment of our community who was underserved and undersupported. And when we even started hearing more about sex trafficking, what is that? Like this wasn't new, but it was newly talked about because like these are hard conversations to have. No one even, most people don't even want to say sex or talk about that, let alone talk about the implications or the, you know, the stigma around it and the violence that, that goes with it at times. And so like I use this quote by William Wilberforce, which is once you know, you can walk away, but you can never again say that you did not know. And I think for That's me, really powerful, right? Like I, I've seen too much. It keeps me up at night. Like the literally thousands of people that we've stepped in to support. And then, you know, it's very personal to us because in 2013, when we were 
three years into working with survivors, working with sex workers, um, you know, my mother-in-law's final words were in a 911 phone call and we lost her to violence, interpersonal violence at my father-in-law's hand. He, you know, took the life of my mother-in-law, my brother-in-law and himself. And that was April of 2013. So here we are in this work for three years. That happens to us and it kind of shatters our whole world. And so it really has been this journey over the last 14 years of going, how can we fight generational violence in our own families and also in yours and also in so many peoples in our community? Because this is an epidemic and we don't have to live this way. And so I think that that's a part of also the conversation we start talking about uh, sex work um, mm -hmm. and sex trafficking and any even sort of uh, violence that occurs to someone, whether they're involved in, in that lifestyle or not. There's a lot of blame that happens. And I'm wondering how we combat that. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, the blame exists period, right? We're still, we're still fighting. What was she wearing? We're still fighting. How much was she drinking? We're still fighting. Where was she? So then we layer that with adult work that so many people don't understand at all. And, um, literally, like you said, humanize people that it's a job. What they're doing is a job. And I heard something yesterday that was interesting, uh, when I, we were talking about like, you know, what was she wearing or like what, what work was she doing as she did it? This guy actually said, he goes, you should be able to leave your bike on your porch and not have it stolen. And if not, you're still a victim of a crime. Someone still stole your bike. So the conversation, yeah, we can talk about don't put your bike on your porch, but you still shouldn't have something stolen from you. And I think that that's the conversation, right? It's People are doing this for a job. We don't know why. We don't know what the circumstances, whether it's choice or coercion or survival. Like we don't know why people do are doing the job. And frankly, it doesn't matter. It literally doesn't fucking matter why people are doing the work that they're doing. They should still be able to be safe doing it. And unfortunately, because society tends to discard marginalized communities, specifically people they don't understand or they don't agree with. There's this kind of, and, and, you know, we hear it like these like dead hooker jokes and stuff. Like it's disgusting. Why are we laughing about people losing their lives as if what they don't matter. And I think as a society, it really is. It's, it's humanizing people. It's going, it doesn't matter what people are wearing or what they do as a career or where they are. We should be able to have safety, consent, and agency over our decisions, period. And how do we as individuals have, I don't know, self-control, if that's what people need. Like, I don't, it's like crazy, right? It's like, what are we doing? Yeah, because is that self-control or is that a matter of power or, or, or trying to dominate, you know, someone? Because when yeah. we talk about rape, there's, you know, I think a lot of folks get very confused with the idea that rape has anything to do with sex or it has anything to do with how someone looks and i have seen over you know the course of my lifetime um comments online of you know if someone accuses someone of of rape and they're like oh why would they do that when they you know mm -hmm. they could get any woman that they want or you know they had a beautiful wife why would they rape somebody why mm -hmm. would they do this i don't know that that has anything to do with anything and i don't i'm wondering how we change that narrative to understand that this isn't about, oh, someone's handsome, so they can't rape somebody. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think obviously misogyny and patriarchy play a huge role in that. You know, I think, like you said, it is power. It's I can get you whether you like it or not. And consent is so misunderstood, which is shocking because like, we consent to so many, like I, you know, like there's so many things in life in our everyday where we're consenting to. I'm doing this job. You're paying me this much. Like you, these are you not. You have to consent to get text messages. Literally. <laughs> yes. I ex ex like, it's not that And if hard. you don't consent, then you're not supposed to be sending me text messages. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But it's so like misunderstood that I think people like are uh, there's almost like a fear level of 
Like, I don't know what consent is, so I don't know what to do. And then there's this whole other level of like, I don't really care. doesn't matter if, 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 like you said, it is power and control. And I think that definitely stems from like the lack of human decency, whether it is for women or whether it is for other populations, right? Of like, you're, you're lower than me, so I can behave this way. I, you owe me. And right, we hear these stories of like, I bought you dinner. So now like I, I expect to, you know, go home with you or these other things. And, and I think it truly is, I think, is it about, like you said, is it about like having a need met? I think there's an element of that. I think the bigger element though, is elevating yourself above other people and having that feel like it. it elevates you enough to make you feel valid or powerful or yeah, whatever it is. Right. They, they say power, like most people get mixed up. It's power, sex, and money are like the, whatever the deadly sin that, that mix people up enough, but we see it all over, whether it's politics day to day, wherever it is. Well, we it's, see it. It, it's all in the news right now. Right. And there, there's a, sort of a small wave of of lawsuits coming up, I think because of some different laws that have gone into effect in New York and in California and elsewhere that have caused people to be able to come out and say, you did X, Y, and Z to me. Mm -hmm. um, and you may or may not be able to uh, file anything criminal for the folks to go to jail, but you may be able to file something in civil courts. And then mm -hmm. people need to understand the difference between the two. Um, and because there's also then that line of, oh, well, they just want money and it's just about money. I keep hearing that over and over again, mm -hmm. you know, for example, with Cassie and Diddy, you know, they're like, oh, well, she just wanted all this money. Why mm -hmm. didn't she go this route to, you know, have him prosecuted? Where that just may not have been the option to do, but right. you're hearing Russell Brand is another one. Yep. Um, um, our former president of the United States is another one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone knows about Bill Cosby and all of that. There's just so many of them. And when you read the comments online, which like that's probably rule number one, never read comments anyway. Literally. But you read these comments, there are so many people who just automatically defend somebody you have never met. You have never seen this person. You don't know them yep. from anything. You've just only seen some work that they've done that is regurgitated uh, words that somebody else wrote mm -hmm. for them. And now you think you know this person and they could never have done this. This woman must be wrong. She must have wanted it. She must have just wanted some money what, or some fame or what have you. And I think that that causes a lot of folks not to ever say anything about Absolutely. what has happened to him or, or to them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how do we ensure that more women feel safe to come forward and come forward early enough so that statute of limitations does not run out so that maybe these folks can actually uh, be prosecuted in a way that keeps them from doing it again and not yeah. just monetarily. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How do we believe women? Right. Like that's like like the very basis of it is like, you know, only three percent, less than three percent of cases come back false and only 20 percent of even people that experience sexual domestic violence even report. So we should be talking about the 97 percent of cases that are proven to be true, which of which are only 20% of the cases that are even reported. And then look at the case, look at, I mean, let's look at Bill Cosby, for instance, 32, he was actually like convicted, but because there was like a loophole in the system of his testimony under oath, he got out in five years and is literally looking, actually under five years, I think it was like three or four. And he's literally looking at a comedy tour right now. Like, is this a joke? Is this real life? And I'm like, no wonder people don't speak up because it's so traumatizing for them to relive, to then not be believed, or if they actually are prosecuted. Did you know only 2% of rapists actually get sentencing? Not surprising, but horrific. 
it does not surprise me at all um and to think of that number and think of the number of women who have been sexually assaulted um it makes it really understandable about why no one says anything about exactly. anything and you mm-hmm. think about the number of rape kits that just have sat exactly in in back room somewhere and and never tested for anything mm-hmm. yeah and honestly like that's literally why i created SOS Cosmetics, because in July of 2021, I was like, what are we doing? Like, literally, I've been working in this work for almost 12 years. Our numbers are not decreasing. In fact, they're increasing by 2.9% year over year. We have no tools in anyone's hands to prevent this from happening. And yet it's a very solvable issue. We just need to get adequate support and resources for someone if and when it happens. And we'd love to be able to say, like, just don't rape. Like, that would be great to be able to, like, how do we solve the issues of of sexual and domestic violence? Don't beat and don't rape. That would be great. Unfortunately, we're way, we're so far from that. It's not even funny. So now, in my opinion, the conversation is how do we put tools in people's hands, specifically the most at risk, which is women, as we're one in three to experience it. And how do we start recording what's going on having testing your drinks how do we start having you know like so many it's like oh we text our friend when we get somewhere like we we have these like measures that we do but how could we put that in everyone's hands so they can contact emergency services so they can get someone to their location so they can get help quickly so that they're not living in pain for the rest of life did you know 78 women on average per day take their own life post abuse 78 women 78. per day. And that's so across this is, the United States. Yeah, and that's this is a literal epidemic. The stats are staggering. And yet, what are we doing about it? So then, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. I think I want to go back. You When did you move to Las Vegas? In 2010. 2010. 14 years ago. Look at your Vegaversary. Uh, <laughs> So, you, what made you move um, to Las Vegas in the first place? Did it have anything to do with this work? And is it because Nevada is the only space where, you know, prostitution um, is legal? Was that a part of, of the plan when you when you got here? Yeah, absolutely. Our, our, we really moved here for this work. And we started working with a few different agencies when we first came and then we just we realized our values really didn't align there was like religious and political affiliations that we didn't really agree with and there wasn't really adequate resources and that was really what we saw and and what i truly believe is like we have to provide wraparound resources and we have to believe people like that those are the two bases in my opinion of being a true human who gives a shit and being someone who really wants to create collective healing and collective liberation, right? So I think that was kind of the the initial thing. And we were, I was 23 years old. I had no idea what I was doing, literally no idea. But in a way, I think sometimes that's good because I think, I mean, I see your daughters, they're like out there just kicking ass and taking names. Like we can solve any issue, right? And you kind of like, you're not fully jaded to the I guess to trying something and failing. As there's much. A, there's a level of no fear. I just finished Literally. telling somebody yesterday. I said, if I would have started having children now at my age, I you know I'd be in a much better position right. financially and emotionally, and I know so much more. But doing it you know, at a young age, which I don't necessarily recommend. You know, starting at nineteen, mm-hmm. but there's something about having less fear around yeah. uh, life and, and just doing stuff and just rolling mm-hmm. with it that, you know, there's a jadedness, but there's also a level, an extra layer of fear that comes yeah. living in this life. And, I agree. And when you don't have that, you're you're able to move in a smoother way, but that usually, it's really, not that I'm saying it out loud, it's such a shame to think about that, that 
that life that you get to live, that carefreeness that, you know, Mm -hmm. my children are having right now. And and as they're exploring this young adulthood and I'm over here like, oh, don't do this because it's going to happen and that can happen and what happens. It's like clipping your wings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think like the truth is like anger can be a really good motivator if you allow it. And I think I was so angry at what I saw. Like, I I really couldn't believe the the treatment of human beings and what I kept seeing, like, like with not just traffickers, but also people in the industry and and managers and people that were treating people not even human-like. And so, like, I would stand up to them. Like, here I am, this 23-year-old little you know, little white girl going into these strip clubs, going into these brothels, like getting pushback. Like I, I, there's one specific instance where this manager, like, you know, came out of his office and was like, you can't come in here. And it's kind of, you know, that tactic where they like step into you. So you're like closer to them. So I just like stepped back into him and I was like, you don't know who we are. You should learn who we are before you tell us we can't come in. And we are here to provide resources for the women working in your club who don't have access to medical or dental, who need legal support, who need like mental health services, who need help with their children. That's what we do. That's what we're providing. And I will never forget. My team was like watching me like, oh, my God, what is this girl doing? (laughs) about to have a showdown. Joy's about to kick some butt. Yeah, I I didn't really, I didn't care. I didn't care about the consequences because all I could see was red because I was so angry at people who were literally dying because of basic physical illnesses or, you know, they, like they would have a, you know, an issue like a, a yeast infection or some sort of like infection and then it would go into septic shock and die. Or like people that literally were getting turned down to get bank accounts or, you know, like people that were trying to get their kids back and they wouldn't even really, they would be laughed at in court because of their job. What are you going to do? I'm like, what does their job have anything to do with how their parents, if they're stepping in and, and supporting their children, I don't understand. And I've also heard that there have been some discrimination with um, sex sex workers who may look to have a different career path, but there are certain health cards, I guess, that they have to carry. And yep. so that that information is in the system and then they are not being able to be hired to do something else because then they are a known sex worker. That's exactly it. Yep. I, I had no idea, but I learned that from another client who actually, she had her degree in uh, child, like child, um, like development child psychology she wanted to be like work in the school system with children with disabilities and she got her degree she was like looking at jobs she was actually working on the back end of an adult site um like just in the not not being shot on camera and they were like hey you should be in these videos you should do things and she was like okay like there was an opportunity she took it and because she had to have those cards and because they have to like basically it's it's it is legal work right so it has to be like on paper whether it's for the testing you have to get for stds like all that stuff there's it's a very like regulated system in some ways um and she like i just i'll never forget her eyes she like started welling up in tears and she's like i can never do what i always dreamed of doing and like yet they tell people oh you should get out of that and you should do other things and right. so when yeah. folks just have that opportunity to get out and then you limit them on then what they're able to do because of what they may have had to do in the past right. Absolutely. and so how does that give them a pathway to their version of the american dream right i mean you we've heard story clients you know their bosses finding their old videos and getting fired or being taken off the schedule um, you know, being harassed, like, I mean, you name it, the stories go on. And that just shows another level of just total lack of respect for literally humanity, but for women's bodies and for women's, like the understanding that like, we are a whole person here. So 
So have you had an opportunity to work on any policy around this sort of thing, discrimination um, of sex workers or anything like that? We did a lot within trafficking. So one of the things that we saw early on was that um, people were, they were getting charges, but they weren't getting just charged with um, like sex worker, you know, they, they, what do they call it? Solicitation is like, is the charge, right? So we were seeing that they had solicitation charges, but then whether it's casinos or other places of business, they would start to shift that into trespassing or other types, basically other charges around that. So we started seeing if, if girls did want to work outside of the industry, they would have a really hard time because they had all these charges, specifically solicitation, trespassing. So we did, we got a bill passed, I think it was 2018, um, which then added the language for trespassing and solicitation. And then another bill that provided funding for people leaving who wanted to actually rebuild. I mean, it was that, that whole, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little disillusioned by politics because with the, I mean, most of us are right. But because of the experiences, <laughs> that sounds like just a regular tagline, 2024 <laughs> right? disillusioned <laughs> by politics. Yeah. Yeah. Because even those bills, which I was like really grateful for the opportunity to help, it felt like it was like just the tip of the iceberg of really like how much deeper are we going to get to actually like keeping people safe. And in 2021, there was another bill we were trying to work on instead of arresting sex workers to have a diversionary program to help to our org so that we could actually help if there were, you know, actual, are we, are you ha having trouble getting a job? Are you having trouble with mental health? Like, what are the things? So we were working on that, but we just, that one never passed because we couldn't, they, there was just a disagreement. And one of the things that we heard by um, one of the police officers who was kind of in, not in support of the bill, is they said, well, if we arrest a sex worker, all of them are going to say they're trafficked. And so they're going to get out of it. And I'm like, that's the reason? Like, that's the reason you're opposing something that's a diversionary program that's actually going to help people? And do you, you do realize that people in sex work, they are trafficked. Not everyone, but there's a, there are, I don't know. It's just so confusing to me. And I think, and I'm always advocating for people to dive deeper into politics, right? Yeah. Um, and and dive deeper into the policy part of it, testify, watch the the hearings, all of that. And I think it's really important that people do because it's conversations and comments like that that you hear that that sound so unbelievable. I believe it. I wasn't there and I believe it because mm -hmm. I have heard similar things about other issues where, you know, it could have been paid sick days. And like, well we can't give them paid sick days. Why? Because they may use them all. And then you're like, oh, oh, they may use the sick days. And so we don't want to give it to. And so it makes no sense at all. The argument sometimes. And they're so worried about one person lying that until now, nobody gets to have anything right, right. instead of thinking about let's not worry about the few outliers of people who lie about it, because there's always going to be somebody who lies about something. But in the meantime, how are we protecting the, the the community and doing for the greater good? Right. I mean, let, let's be honest. If we were worried that something was going to go wrong so we never started, nothing would get done, period. Yeah. The, the systems are broken. That That's, you know, that's, I don't think anyone can disagree with that. But I think the thing that keeps getting me up out of bed every day is just is knowing that as people, as humans, we truly can, I use the word link arms. We can link arms toward, cause like we are, we the people, we, there's a lot of us. So together we can do a lot of good and that might not be all the good we wanna do, certainly. But there is good that can happen from collective movement, from impact, from anger turned into action. It's really typically not the people we think that are actually gonna make the biggest impact. It's gonna be people that not the not don't have the most money or the most contacts or the most time and energy it's going to be those of us whose anger about how it is 
overrides any fear of how what we can or can't do, right? And it's it's uh, it's those of us that will step up every day. Well, it's I call it the discipline of hope, right? Because we have to believe like that good can happen, but. We have to have hope because otherwise it feels really hopeless in this fight to, to change the world for the better. But even if it's one person at a time. Do you have a dream policy or um, advocacy? If, if you could see something come into law, is there, is there something that you think that um, would be uh, worth you digging your heels down into and then listening to some dumb commentary on the side? <laughs> um, I think... You know, I think I appreciate actually it was yesterday at a training with SafeNest and we were talking, the training was about strangulation. And there's a lot of conversation now about basically the precursors to homicide in, in violence. And a lot of that really does start with like the level of violence of strangulation of like they have five questions that they ask. Like, do you, do you think he could kill you? Do you like, what were, what were his words when he was speaking to you? Like there's all these different things. And so what they talked about yesterday is our laws are so, I mean, most of our laws, they're, they're not clear of what is really going to provide the, the level of, so like basically they were saying with strangulation that. Um, it has to say, so, instead of like choke, it's like, did he put his hands around you? Like, so anyways, just, I think switching the words in some of the things, because otherwise like they can actually put him away for life. If there is like, if they can prove that there was strangulation, there was something that was an attempted murder versus just assault or violence, which that in of itself is like, oh, so we need to prove that he could have killed me in order to like put him away for longer. So I think around, I mean, I've I've heard that our governor now like cares about legislation around domestic and sexual violence. So do I know what I would want to put in in writing for that? No. I think what I'm hearing though is clarity around the abuse and putting things in there that aren't so black and white. So that it could, these things could constitute as that instead of it being this exact, it was exact strangulation where they put two hands around your throat or things like that. So it just, we need to open up the language yeah. in a lot of the cases. Um, you you had mentioned um, in some of, some of your work, you went inside of uh, strip clubs and brothels. What is it like inside of a brothel? It literally is like a home. Mm. Um, because that's literally, it's it's like a home it's it's they all a lot of them have their own rooms and then they actually do the okay depending on the brothel right because i haven't been in all of them but the ones that we've been in there's like um a bar area and like a kind of a living room area and then when folks come in for services they all line up and then they get picked like oh you look interesting and then if they get chosen they go back to their room and then they have they call it a party so they have like a party in their room so it really does look like a house and it's all women so it is like a it's just like they're all getting you know when we go in we do hair and makeup we'd bring like a massage chair we'd bring cupcakes and you know food and like just spend time caring for and humanizing people and getting to know them and learning about them. And those are, I mean, those moments are, were really formative for me because yeah, it is. I think when you don't know about something, you think, Oh my God, brothels, what is this? It's just regular people going to, going to work, but they're going to work for a week at a time and they have rooms and they have people that come in and choose their services and, you know, they work around that. That's so interesting. Thank you for that. Like it just, it was piquing my curiosity. Yeah. So you mentioned my children and, um, you know, and, and I've, I've talked to Skylar actually on this podcast and um, I may actually talk to the others as well at some point. But one of the things that as they are getting older and having their own spaces, their own apartments, two of them have their own apartments, and which I think is absolutely amazing because I had never, I didn't 
my matriculation into adulthood was very different. As I said, mm-hmm. I had my oldest when I was 19. And so I never lived alone. And so I'm excited for them with that. Mm-hmm. But it also scares sure. immensely. And I know that you have daughters, but they are still safely inside of your home. And yes. so but what it's one of the things is that you know, Skylar being in another country and and Shay being just a in a in another part of the state, you know, I don't know what your day to day is like. I don't know what's happening. I don't know who you're meeting. I don't know all your friends anymore, you know, and all of that and where you end up, you know, and you get you stay out as late as you feel like it, mm-hmm. all of those things. It can be very, very scary. And then I have taught them too, you know, you know, we have our um uh, app trackers where we can follow each other's locations. Mm-hmm. You know, we are good about saying, "Hey, I'm going here," or "I'm going here," and I'm, I have these friends, and uh, if I'm going on a date or something. And I've told them, if you don't want to tell me who you're going out on a date mm-hmm. with, even though I want to know, and I don't know why you <laughs> tell me all your business, but if you decide not to tell one of your siblings, tell mm-hmm. somebody and that you trust and who also has my information so that I can know if something happens to you I need to have somewhere to start I need a baseline but also I've I've explained to them now that you're getting to the age of drinking and all of that I want you to be safe so we've had all of these conversations over and over and over again and Skylar her first year being in uh in Italy she had went to a bar and you can drink at 18 in, in Italy. Okay. And so they went to a bar and she was with a bunch of friends and there was another girl there that she sort of knew from school, but she didn't really know her and she wasn't hanging out with her who had gotten way too drunk. And she was just sort of passed out over in the corner and Skylar got really concerned. And she's like, I don't understand what's happening. Where are your friends? Who are you here with? I don't know what's going on. And she was trying to help her and she didn't know where she lived. And mm-hmm. somebody's like, oh, well just put her in a, in a cab and, and you know, here's her while you can see what her address is or something and, and 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 just put her in a cab and she's like I'm not doing that and so she was she was really affected by that later when she told me about it I think she ended up bringing her back to her apartment I think that's what she did but she was like there were so many people who didn't care yeah. who thought it was okay just to leave her where she was mm-hmm. and that's not okay and I said yeah that's how one you know who your friends are and yeah. who you can hang around and 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 drink around but also you don't know what could happen to you because then there's always something where we're not always but there have been reports where people have said that people have been taken advantage of and been passed out had no idea what had happened at all and so these are the kind of things that always make me anxious as a mother mm-hmm. and so you know when you told me that you were coming out with a lipstick line that was you know that not only was going to be pretty to make our <laughs> lips cute for going out but also there was a safety mechanism attached to it. I'm just like, well, one day I got some pretty <laughs> dope neighbors. And, and and I will have to say that I know Joy because we were neighbors and we lived on the same That's street. That's right. And, and did not know that we were neighbors when we met somewhere else right? on the other side of town. And we're like, hey, I live here. I live here. I live on, yeah. this, I live on this street too. Wait, and I was like, how, what? Oh, you live across <laughs> the street from me? How cool right? is that? Literally a few, few houses down. I know. and so. I want to find out, like, tell me about this dream of yours. Like, how do you go from, you know, all of this work you've been doing to like, not only that, but now I'm going to make a cosmetic line. How, <laughs> how does somebody make a cosmetic line? Oh my gosh. It had it, like, I am the big dreamer, right? I'm the big visionary. So I never really know the details, which is a really good thing. And then like a really bad thing once I get into it. Cause I'm like, why do I know about all these steps? But then I probably wouldn't do it. So I guess it's good. That's um, true. That's true. But yeah, you know, when I initially thought up this lipstick with safety features, I thought for sure there was something in the space that existed already. And I was really shocked to find there wasn't. I really initially just did tons of research and I ended up bringing a patent attorney on to be like, am I missing something? What's in the space? And it was really like kind of shocking to find there was nothing in cosmetics with safety features. So that's literally our patent, by the way, on on our lipstick, which is really exciting. Um, 
But I knew I was going to have to find engineers and scientists because that's not my background. And so I literally, how I, how I really got started was we had like a hundred people come to our backyard. This was, I think you had moved already. Um, and basically we launched the concept like, Hey, we're thinking of doing this. Everyone signed NDAs. It was like very hush hush in the beginning. And do you think this is something that you would support? And like right away we had, you know, $25,000 from friends and family who were like, I'll buy the first one two years out, you know, basically like that. And so that was really encouraging. I was like, okay, people want this. This is something that's going to be like really, really useful for people. But then I was like, okay, who am I going to bring on that's ever done anything like this since we're really like, we're, we, we're cornering this space. But um, there was one scientist that I had found that you know, had you ever heard about the nail polish? It was supposed to be like a nail polish. You dip your finger in and test for drugs on it. Uh, yeah, I, vaguely like, I remember that. Yeah, like six or seven years ago. So when we looked at patents, I found that polish. So I was like, oh, well, maybe that person is still around. I didn't think the, the product didn't seem like it was. But I found the scientist on that patent and I found him on LinkedIn. <laughs> and I literally messaged him for eight months until... I was like, can you just take a meeting with me? Like we're doing this thing. And cause like I had met with other people and shared our vision and they were like, yeah, we could do that for like a million dollars in two years. And I was like, we don't have either of those. Like this is time is of the essence right now. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up being able to bring on that scientist and the head engineer from that company. And then we developed and I basically just, had a, a drawing from like a friend's son in an, in like an engineering school. And I was like, here's what I think. Like, I think we should interchange the lipstick. Cause you know, everyone always wants their, the specific color they want on them. I think we should have tech in the bottom. I think we should have test strips. I don't really know how any of that looks. And so, yeah, for like basically from October of uh, October 28th, 2021 to October of 28th, 2022, we did, I built a team and, and funding, we had like actually a whole group of women investors who were a very small angel investors who were like, we want to make sure this happens. And some lot were survivors and they were just a lot of amazing women in our community who were like, we want to, we want to invest in this. And so we were able to develop and build the first prototype. And then October 28th, 2022, we launched the prototype and showed the public for the first time what we'd been working on for a year, which was really fun at a big event. Um, and then I started figuring out and finding how am I going to find a lipstick manufacturer, a device manufacturer. We had to create proprietary Bluetooth. Like all these words are things I didn't even know of, you know, two and a half years ago. Like I didn't know what proprietary Bluetooth was. I didn't I still know. Don't know what it is. What is that? <laughs> yeah. So basically it's, it's specific like we own the the bluetooth and like the the settings that we have for our specific lipstick so no one can like buy our basically we have a patent on it anyways but it, it basically just protects us from being able to have the technology we need for sos how specific. many patents did you need to to have so i have a patent we have a utility patent on the product and then we have a patent pending on our software right now so okay. two I mean, and there is may that, be is that, more was that long and complicated process. To put so long and complicated and so expensive. Like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. But like, again, when you don't know anything and you just jump in, I guess that's, I guess that's the benefit of it. And it is really cool because what I love about stepping out into like something you dream about and something that you're excited about is you find these other people, right? There's like, there's the dreamers and the visionaries and then there's the executors and the implementers. And those people tend to have ideas to, of how to help, who to connect you with. Um, and so that's what's really been amazing is because I've been in Vegas 14 years doing this work, the city and the community really rallied around this, this concept, my vision. And it's because of the people in our lives that we are where we are, where we have a product on the market. We have proprietary Bluetooth. We have our app in the app store, you know, our test strips. We have, uh, we're, we're, there's a lot of testing involved. Once you develop the test strip, you have to, we have to basically, our test strips test for benzodiazepines, which there's 
pharmaceutical grade fem- benzo. I'm like, tell, right? I'm like, there's pharmaceutical grade and there's street based benzodiazepines. Street based are roofies. That's an example. Pharmaceutical are Xanax, Klonopin, and they're just easy to get. And so we knew we wanted to do benzodiazepines to start, but we didn't realize that in order to do that and, and be basically like legally up, up and up, we would have to test every benzodiazepine with every beverage in every beverage category, which is like so wildly expensive. So- so you're saying you'd have to take, for example, a roofie and test it with a margarita, and you'd have to test a Xanax with a Cosmopolitan, that sort of thing, and Correct. all and, and all different mixes that way. Correct. Yep. So wow. we've gotten through testing for our first beverage category and have the strips on the market for beer and seltzers. That was like the first one. We did initial testing on mixed drinks, wines, beers, seltzers, like a lot of one. So our next, we'll be able to jump into next categories. We have good results on a lot of them. We just can't say these work in everything because we didn't test everything with them to be able to say that. So tell me about this product. You Is it is it just lipstick um, or are there other products as well? Yeah, so our, we're, we've got our first product on the market, and it's a lipstick. The lipstick is interchangeable lipstick or lip gloss. We have five colors to start. Our colors are fun. They're like, it's not the dress, peachy gloss, and like, no means no matte red. So they're fun. Um, and then the device itself, you can buy the device separately. So literally, it's it looks like kind of like a lips, lipstick, right? Like you just open it up. You can open it, put on your put on your lip color. This is our no means no red, um, and that's a matte red. But then in the bottom is the panic button, and it's Bluetooth connected. So there's a Bluetooth in there. And basically, you can customize it with your safety app to push it once, twice, or three times to do different things. So I usually tell people it's like green light, yellow light, red light. Like green light is send your location to someone, maybe when you arrive, and like a customized text message. Um, maybe you start feeling uncomfortable. And like, you know, like you were saying, <laughs> or you see someone passed out or whatever, you're going to like, oh, I'm going to test my drink. I'm going to check out what's going on, but I'm also going to push it twice. So someone knows someone's on their way to help if needed. So and when you push the button, when you uh-huh. push the button twice, what happens? Does it call 911 or what does it do? Whatever you customize it to do. So basically in the app, you can set it up to do different things and different pushes. So like one push could send a customized text message that says, I'm here, I'm safe, I'm good with like your location. The second thing could be that you customize a phone call, which literally will call someone and say, hi, it's Joy and whatever you write. It's all customizable in the app. So you can customize the actual messages that are sent. It customizes your location based on the Bluetooth location. Um, And then every everything in there is customizable. And then you can use your contacts. So you can either habits push a button and can send your contact a message or your location or we have emergency services which is a 24 7 agent we have a partner called noonlight they have partnerships with the 662 response centers across the u.s so basically what that means is if you push the button and you call emergency services they see you in emergency so they'll text you right away you're like hey i see you you have an sos what's going on and you can just say like, oh my, I'm feeling unsafe. Something's going on. Like I might, can you stay on the phone with me? Or if it's like an emergency, they can priority dispatch police to your location, fire, you know, uh, ambulance, whatever you need. But quicker than calling the police by pushing a button on your lipstick, you can get access. And it it puts you at the top of the list. Because, you know, there's literally like a delay. There's like people will put you on hold if you call 911. And that was our concern is like, we have someone in an emergency situation, they need help immediately. They can't be put on hold. That's like a matter of life or death. So that's why we built this partnership. So literally they could just be on their way. And we, I've had it before, like my, you know, Vivian, my 10 year old carries it to school. We were, t- we were setting hers up and she was like, you know, showing her all the features. And I was showing her, she pushed it for emergency services and they asked for, a. you set up a pin number. So they asked for a pin number and she forgot in the moment, in the fight or flight moment, she forgot her PIN number. And so they were like, we priority dispatch 911 to your location. And I'm like, no, 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 we're good. Like, we just we just need the PIN number. So then she remembered it anyways. But 
I was like, I don't care if you if they come here. Like, I don't I don't care if the police accidentally come to your location. If you feel unsafe, push the button. Because, like, you can never be too safe, unfortunately. That is very true. And so where can people get it and how much does it cost? Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention there's woofy test strips in the lipstick, too. It goes right in the base so that you pull them out, test your drink. So um, they're just and, like little strips and uh-huh. you put it in your drink. Yep. And then how long does it take to um, uh, for the test strip to, to work? Legally, three to five minutes. It shows pretty quickly, though. Two lines means it's safe. One line, and the way it works is lateral flow technology, like a pregnancy test, like a COVID test. It basically removes a line if it detects the drug. So, um, yeah, so you can buy it on, on TikTok. We're on TikTok shop. That's where all our, our, our pals are. Um, and in our website, it's SOS Cosmetics, but it's covert spelling. So it's E-S-O-E-S cosmetics.com. Um, you can buy a starter kit for $65 and it's the device itself, one color of lipstick because the lipstick just pulls out and you can switch out the colors. Um, so it comes with the starter pack is one color, the device with the panic button with access to our app. We have a basic level app and a VIP app um, and then two test strips. And then you can get additional colors uh, for 15 and the test strips are three each or we have different packages for larger amounts. Um, so we try to make it really reasonable. You know, you can get our lipstick for less than a lot of the designer lipsticks that exist because we really want it to be accessible to for as many people as possible. And so how long has it been available? It, we re- we started shipping product in August, so it's just been a few months. Mm-hmm. And how have sales been? We have shipped to 45 states already. Wow, yeah. that's exciting. It's been so amazing to see people's response. And we've had some manufacturing woes, as anyone does. Um, but we kind of, the first product that we had, we we got feedback, iterated to the second product with a different panic button. We got more feedback, and now we're on the third one. So it's been, it was so cool because when I was, I would call our customers or I was like, if anyone wants to like help with setup or anything, like I literally was like, here's my number, call me, like, you know, in the beginning, especially. And I would have these people that are like, I'm from Alaska. I'm from Minnesota. I'm like, what? How did you hear from? How'd you hear about us? They're like, TikTok. I was like, okay, girl, I love this. Are so, you hoping to be in retail stores or do you want to stick to um, just your your website and, and online? We'd love to be in retail stores. We also can do like a could do partnerships with the other lipstick companies or, you know, makeup companies where we could do like your favorite lipstick, say Mac makeup, Mac lipstick or NARS in our device. So we can, we can do like partnerships, wholesale partnerships, or even like a, like a, you know, dual partnerships where it's like our, that way they can use our app, our device. Um, So that's the, we would love to do that, but we definitely do want to be in stores. We want to be, have it be at, as many people's fingertips as possible, because this is a true solution to fighting the epidemic of, you know, drug facilitated sexual assault and violence. And really just like what I love hearing from our customers is like, I just got an email yesterday and she's like, I feel like I have this like secret weapon on me at all times, everywhere I go. I'm like, yes, yes. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can imagine this would be so great to, um, be available to college students. Absolutely. Especially. And, and, you know, I'm going to just throw it out there in the world that there's some sort of grant that would allow you to be able to give this away to um, to college students um, as they're coming in, in the welcome packets. And they that's be able exactly to have, the goal. And be, able, and be able to get some vending machines, you yep. know, with it in there and with the t- or just the test strips in the vending machines or in the airports and what yep. have you. They, those are the places that I'd love for, you know, somebody to want to invest in so that they have access to this on the spot because it may not even be something you think about oh I need to order this in the future Mm -hmm. but as a as a mom like that's something like I would certainly have put in with their pack as they're packing up and leaving my home and going to live in a dorm make sure you take this lipstick with you yep exactly yes that's how did you know? That's exactly our goal is to partner with universities to, it should be part of a tuition pack. If you get books, you should have a safety. You can have test strips. 
and the lipstick. If you're a lipstick wearer, if not, you can use our test strips. We're working on a chapstick for our non-lipstick wearers, but we, you know, we don't have to live like this. And the other piece is exactly what you said. We're looking at like festivals, concerts, like, you know, there's a lot of places where millions, hundreds of thousands of people congregate. There should be safety mechanisms in place at all those places. Um, so I think like we're really excited about some partnerships we have coming up and seeing how we can get this out. Our goal is to get 30,000 units out this year. So we'll see if we can get that goal. We'll see if our manufacturer can keep up with us. Um, and we'll see if we can get these partnerships in line, but you know, I don't, I'm not really big on like taking no for an answer. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I think that that's important except for that. No means no matte lipstick, but true, true consent, but yes, yes, exactly. I, this has been so enjoyable and I am so grateful to have been your neighbor and to know you and to be um, around you for all of these big dreams that you have. And so I kind of want to close out asking you, um, how do you, how do you see your legacy? What do you want your legacy to be? You have done so much work around sex trafficking and, and uh, interpersonal violence. And now here we are having this conversation going into the cosmetics land um, tied to this work. But overall, like, what do you want Joy Hoover to be remembered as? Yeah, I mean, I, I really want to be remembered as someone who wasn't afraid to take risks to create solutions that didn't exist. You know, like I want my, you know, that I said in the beginning, I'm a human who gives a shit. Like, I just want people to know that like, there is someone that will fight for them, that will step in, in the gap and will work to create a safer world. And if I can leave a legacy where safety and consent and agency over your decisions exists, then I will be happy. I will be happy. Because Lord knows I we our daughters deserve we all deserve better. Our daughters deserve better. I'm not okay with them experiencing some of the things that I have. And they get to start differently, right? Just like your babies going out on their own and, and having their own apartments. They get to know their worth be confident in who they are and know that really the sky is the limit and there is no problem they can't try to at least do their damn best to try to solve <laughs> and that's what I want to be known for that's amazing so before we go one more time can you give um, your um, your website and how people would be able to get a hold of you and your fabulous Yes. Be part of the 30,000 SOS Cosmetics, E-S-O-E-S Cosmetics.com. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. I mean, all the places. Go to our website. We also have some fun merch that says like consent is sexy or this one, which says drunk girl bathroom energy. Um, because, you know, we I think drunk girl bathroom energy can change the world. It's it's what we support each other when we need it. And it's, it's about women really lifting up and empowering one another and don't put anything past us with that happening <laughs> well that is great and i think i'm gonna have to get me i'm certainly gonna have to get me a t-shirt that is really cute right um thank you joy i appreciate you i appreciate your commitment to um the safety of um all all women and 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 all people really you know this goes past women obviously sexual assault can happen to anyone but you know for a mother who is constantly concerned about the safety of their children out here in the world you know i think it's people like you who are helping um make me feel a little bit more at ease as we move through this this world full of folks who sometimes don't have the best of intentions and and we do our best to protect the ones that we love and and i think this is just this is just one step in it and I think and then adding on to some great policies and what have you um you know is another step but this right now is immediate action and I love it and I'm and I'm grateful and I think there are probably a lot of parents out here will be really grateful um to you for your your big dreams and 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 just jumping right into it so 
congratulations thank you. on thank you. on another successful um, business venture. And I look forward to um, seeing you soon. So thank you, you so too. much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Yay. Always love to hear it from you. I know. I know. I love talking to you. Thanks for listening to Sticky Note Conversations with Erica Washington. Hosted and executively produced by Erica Washington with music, mixing, and editing by Black Gypsy LLC. Special thanks to KUNV 91.5 in Las Vegas. This show is powered by Make It Work Nevada, a project of Tides Advocacy.